Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Well, turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would, to Psalm. Psalm 34, to be exact. Psalm 34. God is so faithful. He's so faithful that every moment that we are not faithful, He remains faithful, the Bible says. Faithful to what? Faithful to His Word. Faithful to His promise. If He said it in the pages of these scriptures, you and I can take it to the bank. We can live according to it. Amen. If it's written in these pages, then it's written to me and it's written to you. And he'll stand by it. Amen. He'll stand by his word. He's faithful. The faithful God. Amen. The faithful God. Hallelujah. Well, let's make our confession of faith this morning. You can see it up there on the screen. We say this every Sunday before we get into the Word. We're going to declare it together. Many of you have probably memorized this at this point. Let's go ahead and declare this out loud over ourselves today. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your Word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Amen. We believe that we're growing in the things of God this morning. Amen. Turn to Psalm 34 if you're not there yet. Psalm 34. We're going to jump around the Psalms this morning. I'm going to talk to you today about a lifestyle of praise. A lifestyle of praise. And I need you to do me a favor this morning. I need all my ameners to be ready to amen this morning. Amen. I'm telling you what, I'm in a mood to preach and kick some chairs over and get, I'm, I'm just ready to get excited for the things of God this morning. So I need you to press in with me today, lean into what God is saying, because that's the way that the word affects your life and affects my life. Amen. Wipe the scowl off your face this morning. I'm just kidding. No, seriously, the way that the word affects us is when we lean into it. Amen. Something that, how many of you know that you can have medicine in a bottle and that medicine can sit on the shelf and do you no good? Right? Right? It's only when you take the medicine that the medicine starts to work for you. And the Bible says in, in, in Proverbs chapter 4 that actually the, the Word of God is like medicine to our bodies. And it's like healing to us. So what I want you to do is intentionally this morning lean into what the Lord is saying out of His Word today. You're not here to hear me talk. This is not about me. This is about the Word of God. Amen. And so what I want you to do is really lean into what God's saying because that's when the Word becomes effective to you, is when you receive it. Just like taking medicine, just like eating, you know, how crazy would it be if you had cu cupboards and fridges full of delicious food and you just died of starvation because you never ate, right? Like whose fault is that, right? The Word of God is everything that we need. Just like Joy was saying, the, the, that God will be everything that you need Him to be in your life, but it requires of us that we lean in. It requires of us that we taste. The scripture that we're about to read says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You have to taste to see that He's good. Amen? So Psalm 34, I'm going to talk to you this morning about a lifestyle of praise, and I may get a little excited as we do that. <clears throat> Psalm 34 Verse 10 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Verse 4, I sought the Lord and He heard me. And he delivered me from all of my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. 
the poor man cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and he delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is, what does it say there? Good. Good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. We got to, first, before we get into any of these scriptures to pick them apart, we got to come to a conclusion together. And that is that the Lord is good. The Lord is, oh, taste and see that the Lord is judgmental? No. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is angry? No. How many of you have ever heard or, or had the picture of an angry God painted for you? It's not true. God's not angry. Doesn't have to be. He's not angry. He doesn't have to be. His wrath was poured out on Jesus at the cross on your behalf. He is very happy. Amen. Our God is very happy. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, he that sits in the heavens laughs. God is happy this morning. He is a good God. He's not an angry God. He's not spiteful. He's not vengeful. He's not waiting for you to mess up so that he can give you what, what you deserved all along. He gave Jesus what you deserve so that he didn't have to give you what you deserve. He gave Jesus what you deserve so that he could give you what Jesus deserves. A crown. Glory to God. A place by his side for all of eternity. We're seated with him in heavenly places. Man, I'm not going to suffer a day in my life because Jesus suffered on my behalf because God is good. Amen. Talk to me this morning. I need your help to preach today extra hot outside so you know i need your help no oh taste and see that the lord is good we got to clear from our minds this idea that god is anything other than good amen he's a good god now let's let's talk about a lifestyle of praise let's pick apart a few of these verses at the beginning i honestly don't know how far down we're going to get we read down through verse 8 so that we could get to this one but we'll see how far down this list we get okay Let's start in verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I want, uh, Tim asked me this morning, what was the title of, mess, of the message? And I said, a lifestyle of praise. I want us to develop and cultivate a lifestyle of praise in our church. I want you to develop and cultivate a lifestyle of praise in your own life. Why? Because it's so important. To praise God is one of the most valuable and important things that you will ever do. Is to praise Him. So he says, David, of course, is writing. And I like the, the little title that, that we have here at the beginning of verse 1. A psalm of David when he pretended to be mad. When he pretended to be uh, crazy before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. You can go read about that in 1 Samuel, I think it's chapter 20. You can read that story about when David pretended to be insane. But he's looking back now, David's looking back on that experience and how God saved him out of this crazy experience. And what is he writing about? He's writing about the faithfulness of God. The reason that David can praise God is because of all of the times God proved himself faithful on David's behalf. The reason that you can praise God is because of all the things that God has done in your life up to this point where he's proven his faithfulness. We can praise him because he's, because of the, the Bible says we praise him for his mighty acts. We praise him for all that, that's mighty acts, not acts, like a tree chopping thing. That's like all the awesome mighty things he did for us. We praise him for his mighty acts. You have a right to praise God this morning because He delivered you out of all kinds of nonsense. How many of you should not be here this morning because of all the things God delivered you from? Amen. Most of us, most of us can say, hey, you know what? I, I shouldn't even be alive right now because, of, because my life was so screwed up. But you know what? God delivered me out of that. So you know what the response is? Praise Him for it. Just like David looking back on this experience where he had to pretend to be crazy so that the king wouldn't kill him. It's a wild story in 1 Samuel. You should check it out. But he, he, he's looking back on this scenario and he's going, man, the Lord delivered me 
when I should have been gone. So he says, my only my only real response, the only thing I can do is to bless the Lord at all times. Now, this, uh, I, I took some of these words and, and studied them into the Hebrew and looked at them a little deeper, and I found some really cool things. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This, uh, this word, at all times, this phrase, at all times, is pretty interesting. The word... Uh, in the Hebrew there, is time relative to experiences. If you're taking notes, you'll want to write that down. The word here, I will bless the Lord at, at all times, that phrase, it, it's a Hebrew word that describes time relative to experiences. So a good way for us to, to give a parallel in English would be to say something like this. I had such a great time last night. Or I'm excited to go to the beach because we always have a great time when we're at the beach. You follow me? That's the way this Hebrew word is used here. It's to describe time, but more than that, it's to describe experiences that you have in time. So David says, I will bless the Lord at all times, or in other words, I will bless the Lord in, through, and beyond every experience. I will bless the Lord no matter what experience I find myself in. We will never have an experience in this life where we shouldn't praise God. Come on, man. We will never have an experience in this life where we should not be praising God. It will never be inappropriate for you to praise. Amen? Never. It'll never be the wrong time. You know how certain things are just, it's just not the right time for certain things? It's just not the, the right time to have certain conversations. It's just not the right time to do this or to do that. My wife and I, we, we, we converse about this all the time because one of the things we like to do is when each of us are having a moment, we try to correct each other in the moment. Any other married people do that to each other? You know, the kids are freaking out, somebody's pooped on the floor, and we're all just, you know, somebody's frazzled, and we're like, well, if you would have told them, that it, no, that's not the right time for that discussion, Amen. right? Right? There's certain things that are just not the right time, but it's always the right time to praise God. No matter what experience you find yourself in, it's never inappropriate to lift your voice and magnify God because of His goodness and because of His faithfulness. Because time doesn't affect God. It doesn't change who He is. So there's never a wrong time to magnify who He is. You see that? Time has no bearing on God's goodness. And so there's never a time that his goodness should not be remembered and celebrated. Glory to God. I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, what comes next? His praise shall continually be in my mouth. If you look up the word praise here, it's the word tehillah, not tequila, tehillah, tehillah in the Hebrew. And it literally means his song, his praise or his song, the melody of his song shall be in my mouth. Look at, look at um, Nehemiah chapter 9. This is really cool. Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9. It's right after the book of Ezra, by the way, if you're wondering. Right before the book of Esther. Our kids could probably tell you that because they were learning all the 66 books of the Bible in a song. Nehemiah chapter 9. This is such a cool passage, and it's going to really highlight for us what this word, his praise, means. His song, uh, his qualities, his deeds, or his acts. When we talk about praise, we're talking about the, the qualities that make God who He is. It's easy to praise God when you remember who He is. Amen? And, you know, the, the, the thing about life is that life pushes our buttons sometimes and causes us to forget the goodness of God. That's why David says in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. 
Because life, when it pushes on you hard enough, it'll make you forget how good God really is. It'll make you forget his acts. It'll make you forget his righteousness. It'll make you forget his loving kindness. But if you stay focused on praising him, what praise is, is it's a rehearsal of all of his goodness. It's a rehearsal of how great he is, of how never failing he is, of how kind he is. It's, it's rehearsing all the things that God is. That's probably not good English, but you, you get my point. It's rehearsing all the, all the attributes of who God is. So praise always keeps you in a place of faith because it's a constant reminder of the goodness of God. Amen? So look at this example in Nehemiah 9. I'm going to try to figure out how many of these verses to read. Uh, let's just look from verse 5. It says, And then the Levites, and Jeshua, and Kadmiel, and Bani, and Hashabaniah, and Sherebiah, and Hadogia. If you're thinking about naming kids, this is a great chapter to pull from. Shebaniah and Pethaniah, they said, Okay, we got all the names out of the way. All these dudes said, stand up and bless the Lord of your God forever. I love the commanding tone of this scripture. And I'm just going to tell you how soft people have become in our generation. People get angry at me and fuss at me when I ask people to lift their hands during worship. I don't want you to tell me how to worship. Well, listen, you couldn't handle this. All these dudes get together. You can handle this. We've become soft in this world. All these dudes get together and look at the congregation of Israel. They say, stand up and praise the Lord. Bless the Lord your God forever and ever. And then they begin to praise him. And watch how they do this. This is amazing. This is praise 101. Are you ready? Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and above all praise. Verse 6, you alone are the Lord. This is what praise looks like. You alone are the Lord. You've made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. Verse 7, you are the Lord God who chose Abram, who brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans, and gave him the name Abraham. Verse 8, You found his heart faithful before you. You made a covenant with him to give him the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Girgashites, to give all his descendants. You have performed your words, for you are righteous. Verse 9. You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt. You heard their cry by the Red Sea. Verse 10. You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his servants, against all the people of his land, for you knew that they acted proudly against them. You made a name for yourself as it is this day. Verse 11, you divided the sea before them and they went through it in the midst of the sea on dry land. And it goes on for another 20 or 30 verses about all the things God has done. If you ever wanted to know how you praise, you do it like that. You remind yourself and you thank God for all of the things He's done in your life. His mighty acts, His powerful deeds. Not a day should go by when we don't have something to thank and praise God for. Glory to God. What does praise look like? It's you and I rehearsing to ourselves and thanking God for all the things that he's done. You see, one of the reasons praise is so powerful is that it immediately takes the attention off of you. (laughs) If you're taking notes, you probably want to write that one down. If you're not taking notes, you write it down anyway. The coolest thing about praise, one of the most powerful, potent elements of praise is that it immediately takes our eyes off of us. You see, because you can't exercise victory over something exercising victory over you. If the enemy's got a foothold and a stronghold in your life, if sickness is working against you and you're afraid of it, you'll never never exercise victory over it if you're afraid of it. If you're so focused on yourself and you can't get outside of yourself for just long enough to praise God, you'll never learn to get victory in your life. The victory is there the whole time. The food's in the shelf just waiting to be eaten. 
But because we don't press in, because we don't give God praise, we never take our eyes off ourselves and off our own problem. And so we're limited in our ability to worship God because we've forgotten all the stuff He's done for us. That's why praise is so valuable. Because it helps us get our eyes off of us for long enough to put them on Him. To put them on the one who, who died for us. To put them on the one who freed us from all of our sins. And we begin to thank Him and praise Him for all the things He did for us. Do you know what's wild? You can't stay depressed that way. You can't do it. You know what else you can't do? I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But you know what else you can't do while you're praising? You can't complain. Impossible. You can't praise and complain at the same time. You can't actually say two things at the same time. Right? Try to say the word chicken and the word meatballs at the same time. Just do it. Don't make some new hybridized word. I mean, just try to say two words at the same time. You can't do it. You can only say one thing at a time. God designed you that way. That's why James says, can fresh water and, and salt water flow from the same place? He's not saying should they, he's saying can they. You can't say more than one thing at a time. So while you're giving praise, it's impossible to complain. It's impossible to beat yourself up when you're too busy exalting the Lord God. You can't say two things at the same time. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but it's good anyway. We praise him for his, the qualities and deeds and acts of God. We praise Him because He's righteous. We praise Him because He's faithful. We praise Him because we love Him. We praise Him because He's just. We praise Him because He's merciful. We praise Him because He is love. We praise Him for His grace. We praise Him for His faith. We pray. You follow what I'm saying? It's real easy to do. It's real easy to praise. All you got to do is take your eyes off you. Now, let's go back to Psalm 34. You doing okay? Psalm 34. I'm telling you, this will change your life. This will absolutely change your life. My wife and I were dealing with a challenging situation this week, and we were sitting in the car outside a stick boy. I had, uh, well, I'll just tell you what happened. My car died this week, and I was like, boo-hoo. And uh, I knew it was on borrowed time, but I was trying to get it to last till June, but it quit a couple weeks early on me. So my wife came and picked me up, and I was just frustrated, and she was frustrated about some other stuff. And we were just sitting together, and I didn't have to, I had to be at a meeting, and we had like about 40 minutes together that, that we had time to kill. So we went to Stick Boy, naturally, and uh, to get some muffins. I felt that, that I had earned the carbs at that point from my frustrations. So let's go get a muffin. We're talking, and we pull into the parking lot, and you know when you're in the parking lot at Stick Boy, everybody can see you, and you can see everybody. It's not a good place to hide. So we're sitting in Stick Boy parking lot. Neither of us have gotten out of the car yet. My wife pulls out the Bible and starts reading this passage to me. And we both started bawling. Why? Because this passage is all about God's goodness. It says the poor man cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him. That means you're protected all the time because God has set himself up around you. Amen. There is just nothing but benefit after benefit after benefit after benefit. There is no want to those who fear him. Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who's the man who desires life and loves many days that he should see good? I mean, this just goes on and on and on and on. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. We started in the car that day to just rehearse the benefits of God. We started to just remind ourselves of how good He is and how faithful He is. And man, it just hit me to the core. I said, Father, oh, I thank you. Everything shifted in that moment in the car for us. Amen, it is. By God, it's good. Amen. Now that can happen for you too. It, it, what, what if instead of just being frustrated with life and letting the frustration get to us, what if instead we just flipped the script and started worshiping, started praising, started reminding ourselves of how good God is, started to actually thank Him for all of that goodness? What would happen? 
The verse goes on to say, see, we haven't even gotten out of verse 1 yet. I only got like 12 or 15 minutes left here, so I don't know how far down this passage we're going to get, but it's okay. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise or His song shall continually be in my mouth. Look at that phrase, shall continually be. His praise will continually be in my mouth. The Hebrew word here means perpetually. Perpetually. His praise shall perpetually be in my mouth. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, this is the most challenging part of the verse. When I read verse 1 of Psalm 34, His praise shall perpetually be in my mouth. Is the, That perpetually... That is the one that challenges me the most. No matter the time that I'm facing, the response from me is always to praise. And I, this, this issue of perpetual praise is the one that gets me because it tells me that my attitude, if I'm walking with the Lord, my attitude shouldn't be flip-flopping all the time. I shouldn't one day praise Him when I feel good, and then as soon as it gets challenging, I start complaining. You see, that's what the children of Israel did. That's what got them in so much trouble. That's why the, it's the reason why they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, for an entire generation. God wanted to take them directly from Egypt, directly into the promised land. should have taken 17 days. It took 40 years. Why? One reason and one reason alone. They complained. They did. They complained. They got to the border of the land. They looked at the land, saw how fantastic it was, saw the giants, got afraid, and started immediately complaining against Moses. Moses, why did you bring us out here? Brought us into this land to die? Look at all those giants. They we're grasshoppers in their sight. And they just started complaining. Right? And what happened? That act of complaining kept them out of the, kept them out of the place God had for them. For 40 years. And I'm not saying that's going to happen to you. Praise God that He's merciful. Praise God that we have an advocate named Jesus. Praise God we have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us to help us and check us every time we start complaining. But what if we were to not be like the children of Israel? What if instead of our emotions just getting the best of us and flip-flopping and one minute we're praising, the next minute we're frustrated, and the next minute we're praising, and the next minute we're sad, and the next minute we're praising, and the next minute we're angry? What if instead of all that, we just decided that we're going to perpetually praise the Lord? Come on. We can do this. Greater is he that lives in us than he that's in the world. you got a spirit on the inside of you that's been recreated and made in the image of God. You were designed for praise. Praise is the most natural thing for the Christian because it's exactly what we were created to do. It's exactly what we were created to do. Amen. Did you ever buy like a new piece of equipment or you buy like a new TV or you, you buy something and you hook it up and you turn it on it just works exactly the way that it's supposed to work? Isn't that awesome when that happens? What's super frustrating is when you buy something, turn it on, and it just doesn't do any of the stuff it's supposed to do. That makes me want to, like, you know, put my foot through the thing. No, you and I were designed specifically to praise the Lord. So when we're praising Him, we're doing exactly what we were created to do. We're working just the way we're supposed to work right out of the box. Amen. It's the simple analogies that help me, folks. No matter what time I'm facing, no matter the challenge or the situation, the response from me is always praise perpetually. Now, let me ask you a question right here. We talked about perpetual praise. Why is that so important? Why? David says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Why? Why is the necessity for perpetual praise so pronounced here? That's a tongue twister. The necessity for perpetual praise so pronounced in this scripture. Why? Because praise, if you're writing notes, take this down. Because praise is what invites God's hand into the time that you're facing. David said, I'll bless the Lord at all times, all experiences. 
Praise is the thing that invites the hand of God to intervene into the time that you're dealing with, into the time that you're facing. Think about it. There are multitudes of examples of this in the Bible. Think about Jehoshaphat. You remember Jehoshaphat? Old King Jehoshaphat? Aren't you glad your name is not Jehoshaphat? They were surrounded by five armies. They didn't know what they were going to do. What did Jehoshaphat say? Send the praise and worship team out to the front. That's a dumb idea if you're a king. If you're, you know, if you're a military guy, you don't send you know, the guys with guitars out to the front. You send the heavy artillery, right? You say, who's our strongest people? No, forget the strongest. Put them at the back. Get the guy with the harp. Where's Johnny Symbols? Send him out to the front. You know, let's put him out there. That crazy worship leader, let's send her out to the front, huh? And what did they do? They sang the praises of God. And the Bible says God set ambushments in the camp of the enemy so that all five of those armies that were arrayed against Israel turned on each other and killed, all of, killed each other. I often wonder what happened to the last two guys, right? The Bible says they killed them all. So, I mean, what happens? The last two guys, they kill each other at the same time? I don't know. I'll find out when I get to heaven. The point is their praise as a nation invited the hand of God into their situation. And God did what they could never do. The Bible says the battle is not ours, but the battle is the Lord's. When David stood against Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, he said, the battle is not mine, the battle is God's. If you learn to praise God, you give him credit for the battle which hasn't happened yet. Oh man, that's deeper than you know. If you learn to praise God in no matter what situation you're in, when you're facing something you absolutely can't deal with on your own, you're giving God permission to enter into that situation and fight the battle for you, and you're praising Him before it even happens, and He comes and vanquishes the enemy right in front of your face. It's awesome. That happens to people that learn how to praise. That doesn't happen for people that just... Complain their way through life. Right? Learn to praise God. It invites His hand into the time that you're facing. Think about, there's just so many examples. Paul and Silas, when they're in prison, what do they do? They're, they've been beaten, they've been whipped, and now they're tied together with chains and they're in some nasty, rank, Middle Eastern prison. And what do they start doing? Hey, Paul, psst, you still awake? Yeah, man, I'm here. What's up? Your back hurting? Yeah, mine. Mine's hurting pretty bad. How about yours? Yeah, it stinks. Hurts really bad. Hey, I got an idea. You remember that song we did at church on Sunday? Yeah, man, I remember that. How'd it go? It goes, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord... Yeah, anybody that grew up in church in the 80s knows that song. <laughs> that the Lord has made... Oh, yeah, man, I remember that song. Yeah, kick it up, do it in E-flat. This is the day, this... And then they start... And then, you know, let me see if I can get a little... Let me see if I can get a little rhythm over here with the hand. And they, so what they start doing, they started worshiping and praising and making melody in their hearts. And what happened? Angels showed up in their prison, knocked the, the cuffs off of them. All the prison doors swung wide open at the same time. All of them, not just theirs. That ought to tell you something. That ought to tell you that sometimes somebody else's victory might just be waiting on you to praise the Lord. Because praise gets your eyes off of you and your situation. And it moves it onto how good God actually is. Glory to God. They praise the Lord and boom, the doors popped open. Amazing. You know what happened at the end of that story? Everybody got saved. That's the part of the story we forget about all the time. The best part of that story was that the jailer and his whole family gave their heart to the Lord because they were getting ready to leave and the jailer was getting ready to kill himself 
because he knew if all these prisoners leave, I'm done. I'm, I'm dead meat anyways. Might as well take my own life. And Paul says, no, no, don't do that. We're all still here. I mean, the, the glory of God must have been so strong in that prison to keep thieves in the jail cell when all the doors flew open. And Paul and Silas present the gospel to the prisoners and present the gospel to that prison guard and he takes them with him back to their house and he gets the whole place saved. People can come to Jesus when we will learn to praise. People's eternity can be shifted when we learn to praise instead of complain. Glory to God. So why... Why do we praise at all times, perpetually? Why, his, why is his praise perpetually in my mouth? Because praise invites God's hand into the time that we're facing. Secondly, praise always changes you before it changes the situation. Praise always changes you before it changes the situation. Now, it will change the situation, but it's got to change you first. Again, I told you before, you can't, you can't be bitter and angry at God and praise Him at the same time. You just can't. When, when my wife read this psalm to me earlier in the week, it totally changed me first. And then it opened up the door for me. And it changed the situation. Now, the final phrase, I really thought I was going to get beyond verse 1. It's just it's not going to happen. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be, watch this, in my mouth. That's very, 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 very important. I, I, uh, I was looking over this later that day and later into the week. I knew right then, I was like, oh, I know what I'm preaching about on Sunday. I keep trying to get into this Colossians series, and the Lord keeps giving me all these little things ahead of that. We'll get there eventually. But I knew I was going to preach on this, and that phrase in my mouth stuck out to me so strong, and I heard the Holy Spirit in the inside say to me, if it's not in your mouth, it's not praise. If it's not in your mouth, it's not praise. There are, so, there, there are seven different words in Hebrew we won't go over them, but there's seven different words in Hebrew that are translated praise all throughout the Old Testament. Each one of them having to do with a different demonstrative act. All of them require motion or movement or some demonstration from us. There's a word that means to dance. There's a word that means to sing. There's a word that means to shout. There's a word that means to bow. There's all these different praise words in the, in the Old Testament. Every one of them is demonstrative. None of them can be done passively or quietly. Heaven is a loud place because heaven is filled with the praises of God. You have millions of angels all round the clock worshiping and praising and being loud before the throne of God. When Isaiah is caught up in Isaiah chapter 6 and he's caught up to see the Lord, he says, I see the Lord and the train of his robe filled the temple. The whole earth is full of his glory. And he said, I saw these six angels. They're called seraphim. He said, I saw these six angels, and they have six wings, and they're flying around the throne of God, and they're shouting to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. And they go, these angels, these six angels live in the throne room, and all they do is look at the goodness of God and declare it to each other. That's their whole job for all of eternity is to shout, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. And every time the Bible says they go around God in circles and every time they fly around him, they see a new aspect of his goodness that they never saw before. They've been doing this for years. Thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even millions. I don't even know how long the angel's been around. But they've been around and every time they circle the throne, they see something about God they never saw before. And it provokes praise out of them. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. You can be like that. I can be like that. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This is the, what I wrote down 
from my time with the Lord this week. Praise is vocalized thanksgiving and thankfulness. If it's not in your mouth, it's not praise. I know people get uncomfortable when you talk to them about this, but there's a reason that, it's, that the Bible spells it out for us the way that it does. You can't praise God just passively looking like you're half asleep. You can't praise God with a scowl on your face. You can't praise God with your head bowed down. Just can't wait for this stupid service to be over. When will they stop singing? We've sung this song 14,000 times in a row. Why is he asking me to lift my hands again? Why, am I, why are they telling me to shout for joy? It's because that's what praise looks like. All throughout the Bible, that's what praise looks like. It's demonstrative. It starts in our heart, but it's not designed to stay there. It's designed to be expressed. The people look at you crazy because you praise the Lord. doesn't matter. Remember, it's not about you anyways. We're taking our eyes off ourselves. David, oh man, I'm trying to close, I'm trying to wrap this service up, but David, the king of Israel the most famous, prolific king of all of Israel's history, recaptures the Ark of the Covenant from the Amalekites and brings it back by long procession. They would take several steps and they would kill another animal. Then they would take another steps and kill another animal. It took them a long time. But they finally got the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. Do you know what David did? The Bible says he stripped down to his linen ephod. That doesn't mean anything to us, but it would be like you getting in your underwear. Okay? Be like you see, you get to church, and the first thing you do is start taking your clothes off because I'm going to get loose before God. David, the king, the most prestigious man in Israel's history, gets down into his skivvies and starts dancing before the Lord, the Bible said, with all of his might. Why? Because the Ark of the Covenant had come back into Jerusalem. Because the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant meant the presence of God. So the presence of God had returned to the people of God. And David was so excited about it that he said, I can't dance with all of these kingly robes. I have to take this hindering thing off of me and it will cost me my reputation. And he didn't even care. Praise might cost you your reputation, but it could also be the key to you being healed from cancer. Praise might cost you looking funny for a second in front of some people, but it might be the thing that gets you out of prison. It might be just like Paul and Silas, the thing that gets you out of jail. Praise might, be, might feel so costly up front, but there's victory in it because it's what we were created to do. Take, take the thing off that hinders you. Check your reputation at the door when you come to church. And just be free before the Lord. My gosh. Amen. You got to be okay with people looking at you funny. We got to be strong, man. Why? Because the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Praise will give you strength that you could not get any other way. Amen when we vocalize our thankfulness for specific things that God has done for us, we're blessing Him and we're praising Him. That's what praise looks like. All right, you ready for this? Here's the deal. We're going to make an agreement right now. We're going to make a deal. I'm going to end this message in about four minutes. But in those four minutes, I'm going to read you quick fire Five verses about praise. Are you ready for this? Psalm 35, 28. Ooh. Yeah, Psalm 35, 28. Look at praise. You ready for this? Praise starts in the heart, and it's supposed to come out of your mouth. Psalm 35, 28. Now let's start in verse 27. Six verses. I lied. Here we go. Verse 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Let them continually say... Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praises all the day long. 
Where's praise supposed to come out of? Your heart. And where's it supposed to come out of next? Your mouth. If it stays inside, it ain't praise. Psalm 40, verse 3. Are you ready for this? He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to God. Many will see it in fear, and many will trust in the Lord. Psalm 51, verse 15. You know what we're doing right now? We're developing a doctrine of praise. We're seeing praise over and over and over again. Here it comes. Psalm 51, verse 15. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. Psalm 66, verse 2. Are you getting excited yet? Psalm 66, verse 2. Well, verse 1. Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of His name. Make His praise glorious. Psalm 71, verse 6 is the last one. Psalm 71, verse 6. Oops, I went to Psalm 76. That's not right. Psalm 71, verse 6. By you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall continually be of you. Glory to God. Do you see what it looks like in those six verses we read? Do you see what it looks like to praise God? You're reminding God of His goodness. It's not quiet. It's not passive. Yeah, it might be uncomfortable for a minute, but it will change everything in your life like that. You can't be angry and praise God at the same time. You can't be depressed and praise God at the same time. You can't be, you know, filled with worry and anxiety and concern and praise God at the same time. One of those two things is going to prevail. Either we're going to be quiet and the worry and the concern is going to take over, or we're going to open our mouth and begin to praise God. And what comes out of us is going to shift everything around us. It's going to change us, and it's going to start to change everything around us. You can literally praise your way into every miracle that God says that belongs to you. You can literally praise your way into everything that God has in store for your life. Amen? you got to believe it. you got to believe it, and you got to walk in it. Amen? It's not hard. Just, just do me a favor, man. Just get over yourself for long enough to praise God. So I don't care what I look like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care if it sounds beautiful or if, it sounds, if I sing off key. I don't care. The Bible says make a joyful noise before the Lord. That noise can be whatever noise it is. It doesn't have to sound pretty, right? Make a joyful noise before the Lord. What happens when you make a joyful noise? Heaven takes notice. You're inviting the hand of God to come and start working things in you that you couldn't do without him. Amen. Man, glory to God. This will make you, well, I probably don't need to meddle anymore. That's a good place to stop. We got to the end of verse 1. Listen, guys, we gotta, we've got to get, let me, let me just say this as we close. We've got to get to the point and to the place in our lives where our relationship with God has to, co- has to be worth more to us than the cost of our reputation. We have got to get to the place where our relationship with God is more valuable to us than whatever the cost may be that is associated with it. For David, it was looking like a fool in front of his kingdom. But he didn't care. He didn't care. He said the, the Ark of the Covenant has come back into Jerusalem and I'm going to rejoice. Do you know what it cost him? It cost him his relationship with his wife. At that time, he was married to Saul's oldest daughter, Michal. And she looked at him and said, you're crazy. You're, you're not behaving like a king is supposed to behave. And the Bible says she got bitter in her heart. And from that moment, she couldn't bear children. And it cost him his relationship with her long term. You're, I'm not saying that praise is going to cost you your marriage. But it may cost you something of your reputation. It may cost you a little bit of comfort. 
God may be asking and requiring of you that you get up and praise him in the middle of the night when it would be way more comfortable to just sleep. God might be asking you to praise him and give him glory in the midst of a situation that's already challenging and and the last thing you feel like doing is praising. How many of you know that's the time to be obedient? That's the time to put your ego on the shelf and that's the time to say, you know what, it's worth whatever it costs for me to worship and to praise Almighty God. It's worth whatever the cost. I got, I got people in my life that think I'm crazy. Seriously. I got people in my life that think I'm nuts. Family members think I'm crazy. They move to North Carolina, start a church. You're nuts. Why do you got to sing so loud? Why you got to be telling people to lift their hands all the time? Why are you going to dance before the Lord? Don't you, you look weird. I'll look weird, man. I don't care. If that's what it takes for me to usher in the presence of God into my life, his presence is way more valuable than my reputation. His presence in my life is way more valuable than money or fame or fortune or or anything. We put ourselves, we move ourselves off to the side when we praise because all the attention and all the focus goes on to him. And that's where it should be. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.